you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Something that, that I always try to keep focused and in mind when I think about the Christmas season is that you cannot separate the birth of Christ from the death of Christ. And we're guilty of this sometimes at Christmas. Sometimes at Christmas we focus on the manger, which we should. We focus on the birth, which we should. And we forget the purpose of the manger and the birth. We forget the reason why Christ has come. And really, while we should celebrate the coming of God to earth, Jesus Christ being born, Emmanuel, God with us, we cannot forget that he came with a purpose. And that purpose was to live a perfect life and to die for my sin and for your sin. And so as we go through our series this month, our Christmas series, we're going to start at the end and work our way back to the birth of Christ. Uh, we're going backwards in time. We're starting at the end of the Gospels, and we're going to see how God is with us this morning in the Lord's Supper. Now, we're going to work our way backwards next week as we look at the ministry that Christ did and see that God is for us, that he is working on our behalf, that he cares about us. But we're going to look in a couple of weeks at his baptism and talk about how he shows himself to be over us, in control and Lord of all of us. And then our fourth week in December, we're going to see that God makes his dwelling among us as we look at that nativity and that birth of Christ. So this morning, we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper and I know it doesn't seem like a very Christmas-themed sermon, but can I assure you, it is. Because we cannot separate the birth of Christ from the crucifixion and the death of Christ. So this morning, will you read with me Matthew chapter 26? We're going to read verses 26 through 30 together. You can follow along in your copy of God's Word or up on the screen. Matthew 26, starting in verse 26. Now, as they were eating... Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. As I think about the Lord's Supper, I'm always struck at what an odd thing it is. Have you ever thought about how strange the Lord's Supper may seem? Now, if you've been a part of a church for any length of time, now if you've been a part of a church for most of your life, if you've taken the Lord's Supper a number of times before, it seems like this this regular occurrence and everything makes sense at least at the surface level so just a brief explanation of what we're doing at the lord's supper is we're handing out a piece of unleavened bread that's why it's flat and cracker like it's not fluffy so you you see those those um uh, Lord's Supper pictures where there's a full loaf of bread. Um, I'm not saying those are horrible pictures to use. We use them on Sunday morning sometime. That's not how you take the Lord's Supper. It's a flat piece of bread that's unleavened, and it's almost stale in its taste. Every once in a while I have someone complain, well, I think the Lord's Supper crackers have gone stale. No, that's just how they're made, right? That's, that's what they're supposed to be. We'll talk about that significance here in just a moment. 
We give you this bread, we give you this, this flat cracker, right? And we, we tell you this is the body of Christ. And that makes sense. You see something tangible, you hold in your hand, and then we say something that to a non-church person must sound weird. This is the body of Christ. Now eat it. It seems a little strange, doesn't it? Oh, but it gets better because you know what comes next. Here's the cup of, we use grape juice. It's unfermented wine. Here's your cup of juice, red in color. This is the blood of Christ. Now, what do we say? Drink it. I've always thought how strange this must seem to people who are not familiar with church practices. And quite honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, it should strike us as strange if we don't know the meaning behind it. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about why we take the Lord's Supper, what purpose it has, and, and once we understand the meaning behind it, how not only is it not strange, but it's a great reminder that God is present with us. There is a tangible part of God that we can put our hands on and partake and be a part of. One of the big questions I hear people ask is that if God is real, why can't we see him? If God is there, why is he hidden from us? Why doesn't he make himself known? So your apologetic answer to that, if, if you're wondering, if someone asks you, why can't I see God, is, is twofold. One, we can't see God partially because if he was so obvious, we would have no reason to seek him. Right? There's no need to, to seek after something. You already know where it's at. For instance, right now, I can see my car key sitting right on that front pew. I don't have to look for it. But earlier this morning, I had to go look. Right? When we don't obviously know where it's at, we have to seek it out. God purposefully keeps his full presence from us so that we will seek him. But secondly, God is so infinitely holy that whatever glimpses we have of him are are a picture of grace. We're not able to, to see and touch God in our own sin as we are because we are imperfect and he is perfect. So God is not hidden from us. He, he is there. We have to seek. But I think it's a fair question. Why can't we put our hands on him? I'm like Thomas. You remember Thomas, one of the disciples after Christ was risen? And he said, I'm not going to believe that Jesus has raised from the dead until I see it with my own eyes, until I can put my hands where the nails have been, where I can touch Jesus Christ. We're like Thomas a lot. We need something tangible to put our hands on. And the Lord's Supper provides us with something tangible that we can be in God's presence with. So this morning, I want to look at at the fact that God is with us in the Lord's Supper and talk a little bit about why we take the Lord's Supper and connect it to his mission at Christmas time. First, we have to understand what the Lord's Supper is. It's not a random meal. The Lord's Supper actually is a continuation of the Old Testament Passover. The Passover feast, or sometimes it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, was something instituted back in Exodus and it was for the Israelites to remember God's salvation. So the Passover recalled Israel's salvation. God starts this Passover feast when the nation of Israel is in slavery in Egypt, and it's a celebration that he's freeing them. So now if you want to know why you have a stale communion wafer, 
why you don't have a fluffy loaf of bread, it's because God said, I'm saving you and you're going to have to move quick. You don't have time to let your bread rise, leave it without the leaven, get your flat bread, because that's all you have time to make. So if you're wondering why you have a stale cracker, it's because at Passover, it reminded them that they had to hurriedly follow God's command. It wasn't something they could put off. It wasn't something they could wait for. God said, do this and do it now. There's no time to put it off until tomorrow. You and I like to, to put things off. We like to say, okay, God, I'll obey you, but not yet. God, I'll, I'll follow your command, but give me another year. Lord, I'll do what you're calling me to do, but I need to get some things in order first. The flattened bread reminds us that when God says go, we don't have time for anything else. We go. And so the Lord's Supper is a continuation of this Passover feast that reminded Israel that God saved them from Egypt. And in the same way, the Lord's Supper reminds us of our own salvation. Look back in Exodus chapter 12. After he's told them instructions on how to carry out this feast, he tells them in Exodus 12, verse 17, You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, this Passover feast. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. Jesus, at the Last Supper, the beginning of what we call the Lord's Supper, he's celebrating this feast as a reminder that God saves. God is the one who saves. When we take communion, it's not just a consumption of elements. It's a continual reminder that God is the one who saves. He saved Israel in the Old Testament. He saved you through Jesus Christ in the New Testament, and he's still saving today. We're reminded every time we take the Lord's Supper that Jesus Christ was born not to just live a perfect life, but to live a perfect life and be Savior. Not only does the Passover recall Israel's salvation, the elements themselves have specific ties to Jesus Christ, and he tells us that. So the elements symbolize Jesus himself. So a little church history lesson, or maybe not history, but, but denominational lesson, is that different denominations believe different things about that bread and about the wine. So there are some churches who teach that when you take that bread and drink that cup, that it literally becomes, not figuratively, but literally transforms into the flesh of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Not some symbol. They will teach you that some miraculous occurrence takes place so that you are literally putting the flesh and blood of Christ in you. That is not how First Baptist believes, okay? But there are some that will tell you that. That's a little more morbid to me. I don't know about you. That's a little more morbid to me. There are some that say, no, the, the bread and the cup don't actually become the flesh and blood of Christ, but when you take it, the flesh and blood of Christ somehow are alongside it. So you still are eating the bread, but miraculously that flesh of Christ is going in you as well. You're still drinking the cup, but miraculously the blood of Christ is still being consumed. So some churches say you're literally putting Jesus inside of you. That's not how First Baptist believes either. But the reason why I bring those up is because the symbolism of those two things are what First Baptist believes. 
This idea that Christ is now in us is a true statement. And so the blood of Christ and the flesh of Christ are represented in the bread and the blood so that we're reminded that Christ is in us. Sometimes overlooked in the Lord's Supper is that Christ is not someone far off and distant, but Christ is still in us today. We, we can see this clearly as Jesus teaches this in Matthew 26. Look at verse 26. It says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. In other words, what you are eating right now is a physical representation of me going in you. It's not just bread any longer. Physically it is. But it, what it represents is that Christ is now in you. It's that tangible reminder. It's because Jesus knew some of us were Thomases. And we needed to put our hands on something. And he said, this is a reminder that I am now in you. He does it again with the cup in verses 27 and 28. He says, take the cup and drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant. It's a reminder. I am now not outside, distant, away, but I am literally in you. You, as you take the Lord's Supper, are reminded that the elements you take, that the bread and the cup, that, that those physical, tangible things you put your hand on remind you that Christ is not far off. But Jesus Christ is in you. Once you are in Christ, you permanently have his indwelling, God himself, in your midst. Those elements mean something. By the way, that's also why uh, we are not in favor of a grab whatever you can find and take the Lord's Supper the way many churches have had to do in 2020. And, and I've, I've heard this on live streams. You may not have bread and you may not have wine. Instead, go and pick something out of your fridge. If you can find a waffle, use a waffle. If you can find a Pop-Tart, use a Pop-Tart. If you just have a bottle of Coke, use a bottle of Coke. I just, I can't do that. Not when Jesus says, this bread, which is a reminder of the obedience of Israel in Passover and is carried on, and this cup, which is my blood, I, I just can't change that. Those elements that we take together are a reminder that Jesus Christ is in us. And then here's the beautiful, full picture of the Lord's Supper, is that it reminds us of his death, and his crucifixion. And it's that crucifixion that brings about God's kingdom. That death of Christ that caused the kingdom of God to be present here on earth. All throughout the Old Testament, God is with Israel, but distant. He's there, but untouchable. They have this, this seat on top of this box called the Ark of the Covenant where God literally lives. It's hidden behind a curtain that is, is extremely thick that no person can go and be in the presence of God. And if someone is in the presence of that seat where God is and they're unclean, they die. There's a story in the Old Testament of them recovering the Ark of the Covenant in battle and holding it on poles so they wouldn't touch where God's presence is. And as it starts to slip, 
Someone doing what any of us would do wants to protect this precious presence of God ark and reaches his hand up to keep it from falling and immediately dies because God is so distant and so untouchable. He's so separate from creation. He's there, but at a distance. The crucifixion and the subsequent resurrection of Christ brings about the kingdom of God in our presence where we now, we can grab the ark. We can be literally in the same room and presence of Jesus Christ, of God the Father, and of His Spirit. This is the promise that Jesus gives them, this future hope that we will all eat together one day, that you will be in the presence of God, taking the Lord's Supper, remembering the Passover for all of eternity. And that's why he says in verse 29, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This is the start of us entering into the kingdom of God. By the way, there are many who believe this is talking about the great feast that we'll have in the book of Revelation. And I'll say it may be. Do you know what I really think that, that this is talking about? I think, and, and this is tray thinking, not the Bible teaching, so always put an asterisk by, okay? This is not what the Word of God says. This is what I believe. I believe that as we read Jesus eating and drinking with the disciples again after his resurrection, talks about him eating fish and, and, and consuming food in front of them so they know he's alive, I have to believe that he drank of the vine and he had grape juice again in their presence to remind them that his kingdom has come now. Not tomorrow, but now. now I, I can't pull a passage of scripture to tell you that, and again, put an asterisk by that. This is Pastor Trey's opinion but I believe what Jesus is saying when he says, I will not drink of this until I drink it new in my Father's kingdom, he means after I raise from the dead. And that right now, we are able to be in God's presence and be a part of his kingdom because of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. When we take the Lord's Supper, we're reminded that God is not distant. When you take that Lord's Supper, don't just sit there and look at that Square or, or in this case, round piece of flat bread and think, man, this is going to be stale. I've got to choke it down. Or, or man, I, I can't wait till I can have a full meal. Or, or man, I, I wish they got this other brand. Or, can you just stop for a minute and think, who cares what you're consuming? I'm in the presence of God. Christ is in me. And his kingdom is enduring forever. The crucifixion of Christ is a reminder that we are in God's kingdom today. We don't fully see it. There will come a day when it's fully established, but we are able to be in his presence. And when we say your kingdom come, we know with certainty that it has and it is in us. So as we take the Lord's Supper this morning, let's be reminded that the birth of Christ had a purpose. And that purpose was the salvation of our sins the forgiveness of our sins. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, let it remind us that when that baby was born, he was coming so that he would forever be with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are with us in all things. Father, when we surrender our lives to you, we know that we are never separated. So, Father, as we celebrate that continuation of the Passover, let us be obedient 
to you. Let us be faithful to you. Lord, as we take the Lord's Supper together, let us remember that you are with us because of your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Father, let us worship you through taking the Lord's Supper together. Let us be reminded of your goodness and let us be reminded that you are in us and with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.